at the top of his voice, Hey, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus said, Be quiet. Jesus said sternly, Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were, again, amazed. Say it with me. Amazed. And each said to the other, What is this teacher with authority? What is this teaching with authority and power? He gives orders to the evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding areas. It is such an amazing Amazing thing that God in His grace and His mercy sends His Son to this earth and He preaches the gospel and people are totally, totally set free from demonic forces. Now you see, you're going to find that Jesus went to the temple and He taught and preached a lot, like every Sabbath. He sets a pattern for us to live our life that we need to find our place in church as best as possible. For some of you, church right now is at home. Some might be driving down the road. I can remember driving through a construction site in Indiana one Sunday morning, tuning into service here. And that was quite a feat because the cell towers weren't in the right places and so I would catch a little bit and then I'd It'd go out, and it'd catch a little bit, and it would go out. But I was still having church. And uh, I just want to encourage you that don't let the devil cheat you out of having church. And, and you can have church every day as you read the Word and pray uh, in, in your time of devotion. And so wh- why is it so important? Because God wants to do great and mighty things in our lives, and we must recognize the fact that He cares for us. A little bit later on, In chapter 10 it says, 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Now, when you have victory over demonic forces, there is an element of, if you want to say it, pride, excitement, that uh, God used you to cast them out. But Jesus gives us a reply to all that. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you. What? Don't rejoice? That's exactly what he's saying. Don't rejoice that spirits are submit to, submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. To rejoice in the fact that our name is written in the book of heaven is more important than, than causing demonic activity to go away. And it, it's not us, it's the power of God that moves in the situation and, and that demon must leave. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So if Jesus did it, and we are Christ-like, we're Christians, meaning Christ-like, then we are to have the power and authority over demonic forces when they manifest themselves. And so do not entertain, do not talk with the demon. Tell it to shut up and come out in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Speak the blood of Jesus. If you wonder if someone is 
is demonic, and you wonder, I, I can't, uh, you think maybe they're possessed? Just, just have them repeat. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And if they can't get that accomplished, then there's a problem because there's a spiritual problem going on in their life. So, so that's one of the key, key characteristics of, of how to deal with a demon is to, when you start pleading the blood of Jesus, it starts showing its ugly face. Demon possession was very prevalent in the time of Christ. Numerous occasions throughout the scriptures we see him praying and casting out demonic forces. And we must recognize that, that not everything that is not of God is demonic. Our carnal flesh rises up and does some stupid stuff from time to time, and it's not necessarily demonic, it's just our, our, our sinful way of, of life. Jesus left the synagogue and went home. He left the synagogue and went home to Simon's home. When Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her, so he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. How many of you ever had a fever? A high fever? What's a fever do to you? Makes you thirsty? It exhausts you. I mean, it, it takes every bit of energy out of your being, does it not? I mean, all you want to do is give me some chicken noodle soup and a recliner and park it there until this thing passes. Give me some Gatorade. But you are just washed out. You are totally wiped out by that fever. He bent over and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Supernatural divine empowerment. God not only took the fever away, He didn't slow it down, He took it away and gave her the strength back into her body that the fever tried to steal. When the sun was setting, when the sun was setting, when the sun was setting, I want you to get this concept here, what's going on in Jesus' life. He's been in the synagogue preaching in the morning. He's at Simon Peter's house praying for his mother-in-law. And now it's sun setting. Things begin to happen in the street. When the cover of darkness comes along, Satan is prevalent. But this is something that is exciting as people realize the sun is setting and the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, various kinds of sickness. And laying his hand on each one, he healed them. I have studied the healings of Jesus and the healings throughout the New Testament. And in this instance, it says that he laid his hand upon them and healed each one of them. He told Naaman to go dip in a dirty river water. Naaman wasn't too excited about it. And that's how he got his healing. Jesus mixed up some mud and put on some guy's eyes and that's how he got his healing. So we can't just put it all into... You have to have hands laid on. You have to have faith. You have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. I, 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 I want you to look at this real close. It says when this... 
when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who were various kinds of sicknesses, and he laid hands upon them, on each one of them, and he healed them. It does not say that those coming had a tremendous faith to believe that they were going to be healed. Jesus touched them, and each one of them was healed. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. Rebuking the enemy. I rebuke you, Lord. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I rebuke you. I, 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 I come against you through the blood of Jesus Christ. In myself, I am not powerful enough, but I can speak the word. I can speak the anointing against the demonic forces. At daybreak. Okay, so way into the night, Bible scholars study this, and they say it could have been as late as midnight for the last person he prayed for. So, sunset could have been anywhere from 5 to 8 o'clock, and so there's probably 4 to 5, maybe as many as 6 hours of him praying for people. Look at his day. Spoke and prayed for people in the synagogue. Went to Simon's house. Delivered the mother-in-law from fever. Sun begins to set. Now he's out in the street praying for people, and they're getting delivered. And everyone he touches that he prays for gets healed. The power of God is being magnified. Don't you imagine there was a bunch of people that night that did not sleep at all from excitement? That look what has happened in our village. Look what happened in the front yard at Simon's house. People were healed. People were healed. Anyone he touched, they were healed. Others slept really soundly because they hadn't slept in weeks because of their sickness. Major, major move of God through Jesus in the front yard of a little house. Phenomenal. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Somebody said, well, we know Jesus played cards because he went to a solitary place. No, that's not what that's saying. Solitary place meaning a quiet place. He went to a place where there was aloneness. He was alone by himself. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. Well, wouldn't you be looking for him? I mean, last night was a miraculous night in our town, and where is he at now? The people were looking for him. When they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. Who wouldn't? The miraculous miracles. You've got to stay here because there's still people to pray for. He's saying, no, I've got to keep on going. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus is God's son. And the perfect power of God and authority worked through his life. So, was it just instant? 
I mean, just because he's Jesus, it happened all the time? What does it say here? At daybreak, he went out to a solitary place. Other scriptures will say, before daylight, he gets away from everyone to a quiet place. Jesus connected to his heavenly Father. Jesus spent time meditating and praying and seeking the face of God. He got away. And if Jesus got away and had a special time with his God, where does that leave us? We must recognize the fact that devotions isn't a hobby. Devotions isn't something you do if you've got time. Devotions is something we need to do no matter what. And i got an amen on that. No matter what, we need to be in the Word and praying. Because see, what you're telling yourself and telling the world is, is that, well, if I don't really need to pray and read the Word, then I'm not being realistic. Because you don't know what this afternoon's going to hold. You don't know what tonight's going to hold. You don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. You need to recognize that when you have time, when you have time, it's time, now is time, to open the Word and to pray and to seek His face on a daily basis every day because you don't know what's coming. But you need to recognize that something's going to happen. Stupid things happen. People get killed. Car accidents happen. Houses burn down. It happens. Why? Because of human error? Because we live in this world that is broken? So we must be prepared. And so they're saying, you can't leave. You've got to stay because this is so neat to have you here. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. To preach the good news. You can make heaven maimed, meaning physical inabilities. You can still make heaven because your spirit is what makes heaven. And so... The miracles is the cream puff of the meal. I don't know about you, but I love cream puffs. When I got saved, started attending Assembly of God Church, there was a lady in that church that could make cream puffs like nobody's business. And she saw fit to bring some to church and share it with folks. And it was absolutely awesome. Let me tell you something. The miracles of God are absolutely awesome. Just the cream puff of the meal. Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel. He didn't say, I came to heal everyone that comes to me. I came to do, perform miracles. No, he said, I came to preach gospel, and I must go and preach gospel. Why? Because the gospel will set people free. The word of God will bring light into their life, and they will no longer believe a lie, but they'll believe the truth. And he kept on preaching in the synagogue of Judah. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, 
with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out for a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. This was a large crowd of folks on that shore. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Because he wanted to get in a boat. Because you see, when you're sitting in a boat and you have water all around you, the sound waves bounce off the water up to the people. It was the PA system, public address system. It was a powerful sound system that Jesus was created by nature. Jesus knew about it, and Jesus said, just push me out a little bit, just enough to let that water catch my voice, and it will bounce up to the whole crowd that's here, and they'll hear the gospel. Why did Jesus come? To preach the gospel. Why are you saved? To preach the gospel. Oh, I'm not a preacher. I'm not called to preach. We are all called to be disciples, and when you live your life for Jesus, you are, when you live your life for Jesus, you are fighting microphones. When you live your life for Jesus, all things come together. All things come together. Praise the Lord. I, I, I love this because, you know what, it's good for you to see me having struggles. And what did I do? I praise the Lord anyway. I live this way, folks, 24-7. What you see is what you get. I don't put on airs. It's just that. You say, Pastor, you really believe that that's what you do? I say, I know I do. Because I've had pastors come up to me and say, after they spent a week with me at camp, and they said, you're the same in the pulpit as you are in real life. And it's so important that we recognize that God wants us to preach the gospel as we live it, and don't put on airs, just be who you are, when stuff don't work, just admit it and go on. I've watched preachers see, have sound system go bad, and they, they just they start smoking. They're so mad. Big deal. Who cares? Stuff happens. I think somebody just getting on preaching about the fact that you got to have your word read and prayed up because stuff's going to happen. Stuff happened. What preacher do? He said, "Praise God and let's move on." Jesus came to preach the gospel, and we're called to preach. And so he's sitting in his boat preaching. He's teaching the Word of God to these people, and, and they're absorbing, they're receiving the, the power of God into their lives. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. They had fished all night and had not caught a thing. Fished all night and had caught nothing. Jesus comes up, and they're cleaning their nets. I propose to you that possibly the reason why they did not catch any fish is their nets were dirty. You'll say, Pastor, what, what do you mean? The Sea of Galilee was not a large sea. It was really a lake. It's... And it was about seven or eight miles one direction and 12 to 13 miles the other. But the water was beautiful, beautiful, blue like the 
upholstery on your pews. Blue, deep blue water. And the, the nets, if they are dirty, they attract more dirt and the fish will see the nets. So you have to have clean nets. The other thing is, if you don't clean the nets, they get to smelling real bad. And then the mice want to come and chew on the net, and you know the story there. And so they're cleaning their nets, and as they're cleaning, Jesus says, let me preach, put me out here. And now they have invested. See, you don't give anything to Jesus. Did you hear what I said? You don't give anything to Jesus that he don't pay you back. And usually it's not dollar for dollar. It's usually multiplied back to you. And so they invested in Jesus' ministry. He, he borrowed their boat for a period of time to preach the gospel. When he brings the boat back, Jesus says, I owe you something. Put your nets out into the deep. Peter is beside himself. He's tired, worked all night, and he's getting ready to tell Jesus, you know, I'm the fisherman, you're the preacher, you don't have a clue what you just told me to do. Because we don't fish in the deep water, we fish along the shore at night because the fish come in to feed, and that's where we get the greatest catches is here. Although last night was a bummer, we failed. But you see, a true fisherman doesn't let that stop him, that he caught nothing, because there's always more fish out there. This lake was a beautiful lake, and it had great fish in it. And Jesus says, go out into the deep. Now, Peter's ready to give a little bit of comeback. He says, but I've, I fished all night, and we didn't catch anything. But since you have asked me to do this, and I know that you're a miracle worker, and I know that you have told other people to do things, and they did it, they were blessed. All this is running through his mind instantly. I mean, you say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because that's how we are. Thoughts come into our minds. And, and he's saying, okay, he's saying to do that, I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to be obedient, and I'm going to... Push on out into the deep, and we're going to drop the nets. And man, when they started reeling in that net, it started to sink the boat. Peter hollers short, give me another boat, give me another boat, there's a lot of fish out here. They get another boat out there, and they come in. And folks, this is where it's at. Peter falls on his knees, and he says, Lord, I'm a sinful man. When the presence of God shows up mightily in our lives, we begin to realize we are just human, we are sinners, but God is God Almighty. And when you, when you hadn't caught any fish all night and you have this record-catching group of fish, I mean, it's breaking the nets to the point of this overload, maximum amount of fish you could possibly get in these boats. And Peter realizes this is supernatural. This is God moving by this man, and he's moving on me, and I am sinful, 
I don't deserve to have this, but because I was obedient to do what I was told to do by him, I am blessed of God to have all these fish. And he falls before him and says, Jesus, I'm a sinful man. And then the disciples, four of them, look around at each other. And Jesus begins to walk off. And they follow him. Now they had met Jesus. And they had intermittently been in his services and been a part of his ministry. But they were back fishing. When in this instance happens, they are doing their commercial fishing business. And now they leave it all. Zebedee and his crew took care of the fish, but the disciples marched on to follow Jesus all the days of their life. All the days of their life. What a remarkable, remarkable catch. And he goes on to tell them this. Then Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything, and followed him. We're at a point in, in, in history right now that every one of us need to be soul winners. Every one of us need to be prepared to share our testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Persecution is coming on the church. This week during my devotional time, I read scriptures on persecution. What do you do if you're persecuted? You love those who persecute you and you pray for them. We must share the gospel light. There are people out there that are attending church thinking they're saved, but you know their lifestyle doesn't show it. And it's fruit inspection. It's not judging. It's fruit inspection. If there's no fruit there saying that you're saved, then you're probably not saved. It's important that we recognize that God has called every one of us to be disciples of the Word, that we're to pray, we're to read the Word, and we're to get as many people saved as possible. The return of Christ is near, and it's, we see it happening as the world keeps churning. The hatred keeps coming up. The division keeps coming up. We must pray for America. We must pray for unity of truth. Truth will build unity. We must pray for the truth of God's Word to touch our lives and for us to repent and say, God, forgive me where I've sinned. Now, God, give me the ability to be the disciple you've called me to be, to love people, to help one another come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We must do it. We must do it. Now is the time to make a commitment. God, I'm yours. I need you in my life. Let's pray.